EMS World Expo is the largest EMS dedicated event in the world, and it's taking you places. And now we bring you stories from Expo. Hello, good morning, and welcome back to Stories from EMS World Expo 2019. I'm Rob Lawrence, and I'm delighted to be here for this particular session with a great friend of mine, uh, Dr. Stephanie Lucia from uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, uh, a uh, emergency medicine doctor. And uh, Steph, hello, and uh, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? Thanks so much for having me here, Rob. I'm excited to be back at EMS World Expo this year. Um, as you said, I'm an emergency physician. I have a subspecialty in EMS. I work in Richmond, Virginia at the big level one trauma center there. Where's uh, Richmond, Virginia again? Uh, <laughs> yes. yes, you know it well. You know it well. But before before medicine, I actually used to run an advertising agency, and it was EMS that uh, dragged me into medicine. I decided to switch careers, and it's been very fulfilling. So for our volunteer rescue squad members, of course, you are, I think, a life member of uh, Virginia uh, Beach. That's what, correct. I'm a life, life member of Virginia Beach Volunteer Rescue Squad. And, so, uh, so thank you for all the hours and time that you gave to the, to the volunteer side of EMS before going on to, to where you are now. Thank you. So what we're going to talk about this morning, and first of all, I should tell everybody that uh, you've just given your presentation in the halls. Uh, you had one of those sessions that uh, probably presenters dream of, which is standing room only. Uh, I yeah. counted at least 200 people in the room. Um, and of course, the other key thing about a great presentation is the amount of people that line up at the end of the talk in order to you know, get your email address, ask you a question, and equally impressed. So congratulations Thank you. on a fantastic a presentation. Great audience, engaged uh, audience, and lots of good questions at the end as so well. So the subject of that is what we're here to talk about, and we'll kind of get on to you, the doctor, becoming the patient. But obviously, as we get into the lead-up, the, yeah. the first part of that was talking about some, some OBGYN emergencies from the emergency department perspective, and you as the ED doc dealing with that. So let's kind of just get into the sort of clinical bit first. And so let's talk about preeclampsia and uh, the the you know the key the key things to look out for, particularly from an EMS perspective. Yeah, the goal of the talk today was I wanted folks taking care of these patients in the field, which are a rare patient population. We're talking about pregnant patients yep. that are at least 20 weeks along, all the way until they could be four to six weeks after they've delivered. And what we're seeing and what you're looking out for is high blood pressure and um, sometimes headache sometimes visual changes, not feeling well, and something's not quite right. And so they're calling 911 and, and they're calling you for help. And so wanted to make sure we have the recognition there. Now the diet, the true diagnosis of preeclampsia and eclampsia doesn't necessarily come until folks get to the hospital and we can do the full set of labs and testing, but certainly there's enough clinical suspicion in, in right. most and, of these and, patients. Any key indicators, top tips for the team? Yeah, period, so the big thing with eclampsia is anybody that's pregnant and seizing is eclampsia until proven otherwise. Right. So you're going to check that blood pressure. You're going to start your magnesium. That's very important to help prevent seizures and uh, protect mom and uh, the and baby And we're going to come well. on to magnesium later because of your first-hand experience, but we'll save yes. that for a later question. But so so we're, we are with the patient in the field, in the house, in the back of the truck, so clearly whilst we don't have that in-depth, intimate knowledge, there are, there are key indicators that we can just start to raise the hackles yeah. and the suspicions. Exactly. Taking that good history, has there been prenatal care? Have there been any issues with blood pressure? You know, and taking those blood pressures, doing your assessment, and then if you have concerns about that, calling ahead, you know, making sure, are you, was your plan to go to an OB-capable facility? Right. Um, do you need to call and ask permission for diversion, depending on how your agency works? 
Um, and if you can, alerting that hospital ahead of time if your patient's really sick, as in the case of an uh, eclampsia or maybe an eminent delivery, so that they can yep. let their teams mobilize and assemble and, and get all the equipment ready. Because this is a big effort these, when these patients come in to the emergency department. Okay, so also in your talk, you talked about some other complications. Um, um, and again, we'll come back to, the, to you at, at the end. But uh, yeah. again, some, some, some sort of some top uh, complications or some top advice you'd like to, you know, you gave in your presentation. Yeah, so I want people to really be on the lookout. Whether You're not going to be able to diagnose and really prove that somebody has what's called HELP syndrome, mm -hmm. which is hemolysis, elevated liver enzymes, um, low platelets in pregnancy. Um, it's something you can think about, and particularly if you have a pregnant patient with no trauma history that has pretty bad abdominal pain, I want you to think about, I want providers to think about that yep. because um, early recognition and asking the right questions and alert, and again, assembling that team if that patient's really sick can really make the difference and help speed up care um, and lead to better outcomes for both mom and baby. Okay, so in terms of handing the patient over at the ED, or indeed we may go straight through to you know other departments mm -hmm. etc what are the key things that the medic should be looking to emphasize or accentuate particularly when handing over a patient such as this yeah so when we get that report what i want to hear is the age of the patient their g's and p's um how far along we think they are and what that's based off of is that just patient report maybe they've never even seen a doctor before or you know if that's if we're pretty sure about that and then what that patient uh has been experiencing what were their complaints and you know if there's any notable fight abnormal vital signs um, or anything abnormal on the physical exam, I want to hear that. And then any interventions that you made, whether you just started your IV or if you had to give some benzos because yep. of seizure or you started magnesium, that's what I really need to know to get everything moving forward. Um, and in some agencies are starting to do pre-hospital ultrasound too. If you have something like fetal heart tones or fetal heart rate, that's great, but that is definitely not an expectation. Yeah. So you studied all this stuff in medical school. Um, you then um, became uh, pregnant, <laughs> yes. and, uh, and 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 Evie is a beautiful young lady, and uh, um, we are all enjoying watching her growing up. But take us back a little bit to uh, to your story, because this is where we get to the point where the doctor became the patient, and so. Take us back to the beginning, Stephanie. Yeah. In medical school, you're right. They teach you about all these diseases, and you never think that you're going to end up on the other side of that stethoscope right. getting that bad news. Um, but I, I think that I started feeling bad about 29 or 30 weeks. I didn't know that at the time. I really sort of recognized things about 32 weeks. Yeah. But I uh, had edema, lower extremity edema, that would not go away. It stopped getting better. I had a very rapid rate, weight gain. I was tracking that in, uh, in a fitness app and was able to see that in hindsight. Um, I had really bad headaches that Tylenol used to work wonders on and then stopped helping at all. And on top of this, you're working how many hours a week? Yeah, doing what? Uh, I was finishing up my residency training in emergency right. medicine. So I was working, depending anywhere from 80 to 100 hours a week that could easily turn into 110, 120 hours, depending right. on the amount of documentation and, you know, if you have to stay over for a shift, if you get a sick patient. So these are the conditions that you're working yeah. in. So anyway, yeah, no bathroom, on. just like kind of like an ambulance or yeah. you know, system right. status staffing, you know, no yep. no fixed bathroom, no um, scheduled breaks. It's 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 a great job. You're going but for it. It's a terrible place to be pregnant. Right, yes. Because <laughs> it's very unpredictable. But that's, you know, what I love about so, the job. So you're, you're starting to realize things are going a little bit south with you. Yes. And I think, you know, looking back, I probably, like a lot of us, discounted some of my symptoms. You know, I measure my blood pressure, right? That would be obvious. But yeah. then I kind of told myself, well, I just hiked up three flights of steps to get up, up to work to the emergency department. Or I just, you know, had this really stressful intubation. And that's why, you know... 
my, my job is stressful and that's why my blood pressure's up. Right. And so sort of discounted some of that. Same thing, you know, I have a headache or two because, you know, I haven't so, had any so, water. So you're kind of masking what's really going on yeah. you know, with, with, your, yeah. with your body and your baby, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was hard to recognize. I'd never been pregnant yeah. before. You know, I didn't have anything to compare to, but every, women will tell you every pregnancy is different. But I, I definitely think I minimized some things not really understanding that this was part of a bigger picture of yeah. what was going on with me. So you said something quite profound in the, the lecture we just had that you felt like like running a marathon, okay? And so you were in the race, you could feel yourself getting slower, and mm -hmm. you knew that you just weren't going to finish it. Yes. So that was probably a point when you realized something is going really, really wrong here, and I need yeah. to get some, some professional assistance and help, right? Yes, because I could tell, you know, everyone tells you, oh, pregnancy is uncomfortable, you're swollen, you're tired. It comes with the territory. Yeah. But again, I didn't have anything to compare it to, but I, I knew that. I knew I was going to come up short, and I, I didn't really know how wrong and how bad things were, but I knew that, and that's really what pushed me to go get help and to yeah. kind of step outside and stop trying to, I wasn't treating myself, but diagnose myself and manage yeah. things myself and reach out, you know, for, for help to sort of see what was going on. As a physician, and of course, we should mention you're married to a physician as well, Amir. I am. And he's speaking here at, in the halls uh, tomorrow. He will be here so, tomorrow. So uh, he's got to fill that room too, Steph. But of course, you've got two clinical brains in the house. But uh, how much of it did he still go, no, but I've just got to get on with doing what I do, which is looking after other people? Oh, well, uh, constantly. You know, um, we, you know, and I would run things off of him and we'd say, oh, well, you know, that's because of the stressful work schedule or because we're on nights or because, yeah. you know, we both did the same thing. And yeah. I think we, a lot of us in, in the healthcare system, you know, do that with our own health care, which is sort of sad, but, you know. Or as they get older, I can tell you as a father, no, you'd be fine. Go on, carry on. You'd be okay. But my <laughs> arm's hanging the, off. I'm also the daughter of a pediatrician. Oh, there we go. And so to be sick, you know, your arm had to be hanging off. Exactly. In our, yes. There was no saying yes, home from school or anything like that. So yeah. I've sort of always been a little bit of a, a minimizer. Maybe it's something we as an industry need to sort out that, you know, if they say they're sick, they might actually be sick. They might actually but, be sick. So you recounted that you're, at, you're now dealing with a major trauma that's coming into the bay and you are yourself are getting really, really ill. Yes, I had taken my blood pressures and I had actually gone and checked my urine for protein and it was very positive. And so I knew that there, there right in front of me was the diagnostic criteria for preeclampsia. So I yeah. knew, and I knew I needed to get checked out. But you know, in our line of work, the emergencies don't stop. And so sure enough, I sort of mentally came to grips with that decision and a very sick trauma patient we got alert for. So, you know, I was gonna have to deal with that and then we'd make a plan for, you know, how to kind of cover the volume in the emergency department after yeah. I left. But yeah, so that, and that patient required intubation and was, was quite sick, but I was able to get checked in just after that. You said I was sick and they were serious. In other words, the, the, the medical professionals that were now surrounding you, making you realize that this is, we need to now really pay attention to you as a patient and not you as the doctor. Yeah. I, you know, I, I knew I had some abnormal, you know, findings. Yep. You know, I had a bad blood pressure, but I had not put it all together to sort of put the label on it. And I hadn't really put it all together to categories where, where I was on that spectrum. Was I sick or not sick? We talk right. about that in medicine all the time. Yeah. And I, even sitting there in L&D, getting results of all these labs, didn't realize that. I think it was the moment that the doctors told me, you know, you are getting emergently induced and we would be recommending this you're 32 weeks, but even if you were 24 weeks, this baby needs to come out. 
and obviously the 24-weeker risks are much higher than the 32-weeker risks. It must have been sobering at that point to hear that. Oh yes, especially, you know, you've gone through medical training and a lot of people will do clinicals. We, my husband and I both yeah. had spent a significant amount of time in the NICU down at CHKD uh, as a part of our medical school training and seeing, you know, the palm-sized babies yeah. that are attached to, you know, ventilators and purple billy ribbon lights and all of this. And I remember distinctly thinking, I have a couple things. Um, you know, on my uh, medical adventure list, I never want to uh, go on. And, you know, NICU was yeah. definitely at the top of that list. And so as soon as they said that, I just kind of, your life changes and you realize your, your trajectory and the way that your life is headed is, is in an instant gone in a different direction. I deliver news like that all the time. Yeah. I change people's lives, you know, often, you know, with good news or bad news. But um, that's that happened to us that moment. You looked out of your room window, you saw your car in the parking deck across the way when you started your shift. And I think you'd said, which again, I, I made a mental note of, you, know, yeah. you reflected how your life had changed in the space of that shift. Yeah, that quickly, you know, I just pulled into that space thinking it was gonna be another shift. Granted, I was struggling a little bit, but I had no idea yeah. that within 24 hours, I was gonna be hospitalized and, you know, being monitored very closely, you know, on the verge of liver failure and my kidneys shutting down and all of this, you know, and it, it does in our line of work. You, we see it on the provider yeah. side all the time, but, um, you know, it happens in an instant. So. so the doctor is the patient, but in this case, the other doctor, Luca, is also the father of the doctor and yes. uh, is the helpless bystander to a degree. So how did that affect uh, Amir, your husband? Yeah. Uh, also having to, you know, having the knowledge, but not having the ability to be a part of, you know, the, 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 yeah. the treatment regime, let's say. Well, also difficult for him, you know, we were two of 10 total residents. We were 20% of the workforce for the hospital. And so for us to both, he had to actually continue to work throughout all this. So when he wasn't there at the bedside with me, he was actually working and continuing to take care of, you know, other people's patients. Meanwhile, while his wife is admitted and, yeah. you know, his uh, soon to come baby is, you know, right. under intense monitoring. Um, so that was really hard. And I, you know, I don't think he slept for, you know, two to three days. Um, you know, it was difficult. Um, but when um, the time came, you know, we really knew how everything, how serious it was. That yeah. was when we, you know, said to the bosses and every, and got full support from our institution, you know, we, you guys need to take care of your family. And so I think that was a good point for him too, because he was suffering too. You know, yeah. it's, um, it's sort of a helpless feeling when, you know, you know the training, you know how, what sometimes these outcomes look like, and they're not all happy. They don't all turn yeah. out rosy and, you know, back to normal. Um, and so that was difficult, you know, that not knowing which category, you know, now hindsight, she's going to be three in February, looking back, you know, and she's doing quite well. And but breaking it, news, we think she's at the zoo right now. Oh, we do think dad, so just to say that. Yes. Hope she had a great time. Yeah. So, but it's hard when you're in the middle of it and you have no idea, it, you know, how your life, how it's going to change right. your life and how everyone's going to do. Are you going to go home, get to go home with a baby? Are you, you know, I was petrified about having a stroke personally. Right. That kept running through my brain. So, we, we, at the point of delivery, didn't take that long, I understand. No, uh, and quite faster than everyone anticipated. Nothing happened for 12 hours and then all of a sudden everything happened at once and uh so we had to pause for a moment and assemble all the teams yeah. you know when you're in a situation like that there's about you know 20 to 30 people that come for a early delivery like that um and so but yeah the delivery part was pretty uneventful i got to hold her you know i had sort of mentally prepared for her yeah. to 
needs CPR and I'm, I'm just, I prepare for the worst. And then when it's right. better than that, I'm just, you know, feel, feel better about things. So, so from a clinical perspective, you know, what, what are your takeaways, your lessons learned, both as mum and, and physician? Yeah. So I think it's important to put yourself in a place, no matter whether, you know, no matter what you're dealing with, you have, you have chronic health problems or something acute that happens to you like that, to get a healthcare team that you like and you trust and yep. a facility that you know, if the worst case scenario happens, that they're going to have everything they need there, no matter what, you know, because um, especially in the idea of if you're having a baby being separated, potentially mom and baby is just not ideal. So if you feel like you're high risk or anything like that, I would go to the big uh, center with the NICU and the MFM teams and everything like that. Um, and then that once you get that step, the, the important thing about that is if you trust those people and you know you're in the right place, then you just you have to let go. You have to yeah. let go of that uh, intuition to try to follow along and understand and work through the path of fizz and the, you know, yeah. what's going to happen next and just let other people take care of you and communicate when right. when you're struggling. And, and we must all realize that whilst we are in this world mm -hmm. and it's not a job, it's a way of life. If we're sick, we're sick and let somebody take care of us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we've got a few minutes left, but sort of, sort of go on to where we first came into sort of closer contact and you were an emergency medicine fellow. Yes. Uh, and, and actually your husband as well. So uh, how was that process? And, and for those that are watching that are thinking about going into EM, mm -hmm. why should they do that, go through the fellowship program? Yeah. So uh, just to, since you asked, the pathway from when I decided to change careers and go to medical school took about 10 years to yeah. get through medical school. And so I did four years of medical school and three years of residency training in emergency medicine. And then EMS is a subspecialty, which is an additional year of training after you yeah. do your residency. And so that allowed, the intention of that is to help me eventually be a better medical director yeah. um, and to help uh, you know guide paramedics and EMTs and pre-hospital providers into you know improving their care, improving their own wellness. Um, and bettering the agency for the patients. Excellent, and I certainly enjoyed watching your journey through that process. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're nearly at the end of time now, and so uh, if people want to get hold of you, and I'm sure that after this morning's presentation, you're going to be in hot demand to go and speak. <laughs> but uh, So how Thanks. can we get hold of you, Stephanie? Yeah, the best way to get me is you can email me at work at stephanie.luka, L-O-U-K-A, at vcuhealth.org. And also, you are an avid blogger, so if we want I to am. read about your adventures, uh, how can we do that Yeah, soon? you can find us online. We're www.teamluca.com. Teamluca.com. So and we'll I'm... be sure and do that. So, Steph, thank you very much indeed. And uh, we haven't heard the last of you, I'm sure, certainly on the, on the talking circuit. And yeah. obviously, we look forward to following your, your successes in emergency medicine. So yeah. thank you very much. Thanks so much, Rob. I appreciate the time today. So, Dr. Stephanie Luca, uh, VCU uh, Medical Center. Um, so we've had a fantastic chat and uh, this has been Stories from Expo 2019. I've been Rob Lawrence and until later, bye for now.